Hello everyone. In today's episode, we discuss uh, mainly American politics because we find ourselves a couple of days before American elections that are definitely groundbreaking elections in American history. But we also try to think about a little bit broader about American foreign policy in the context of elections and try to just figure out uh, how those elections can actually shape American foreign policy in the future and how they can shape, I guess, American domestic politics. So stay tuned, share our episode and as always, enjoy! Hello again. Today, I guess we are find ourselves uh, it's on the eve of American elections. Yes, um, in just what three days, right? Yeah, now. I guess the biggest event of this year. Uh, but I mean, also COVID. Uh, it's hard, you know. It's like American election in the same way. Maybe one of the most important elections in the history of the US. I yes, I agree. Like, definitely coincide with this greatest pandemic and. Uh, Oh, it's going to be very interesting. Yeah, definitely. Um, and what is more, like I think not many people in Europe will remember this, but next to mm-hmm. the presidential election, we'll also have the elections to Congress, both yeah. houses, Senate and uh, the House of Representatives. Mm-hmm. So, you know, uh, the future of the US is really uh, on, on the stake here. I mean, yeah, the biggest question whether the Dems going to take uh, both houses and presidency. Or they're going to have just both houses, so maybe if Trump wins still presidency. It's just interesting whether they can get Senate, which is, like I guess, not very likely. Um, but, I mean, they definitely, I guess, will keep house. Um, imagine imagine a situation where Trump wins re-election, Democrats get uh, both houses of Congress, mm-hmm. and then they, then they impeach him. That would be fun. Oh, man, that would be definitely <laughs> fun. <laughs> Second attempt. <laughs> Yeah, it's like you just think so much stuff happening in the US politics, you know, like like last year they tried to impeach him. Ah, now it's uh, re-elections and it's like the country is kind of falling apart at the same time. You just look at the US and you definitely see it's like one of these moments in history, kind of like, you know, ancient Rome. Uh, it's like on the apex of power, but at the same time it's kind of crumbling and it's really hard to kind of make it stable. Um, yeah, definitely. And um, yeah. you know, in terms of um, the chances of who wins, currently all the polls mm-hmm. are saying Biden is going to win. Like when you look yeah. at the average, uh, average from all polls, it's usually Biden has like eight, nine, uh, eight to nine percent lead. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't think it will change uh, until Tuesday mm-hmm. when the election takes place, unless something huge happens. Um, but I don't know what could. But this doesn't mean this doesn't mean that Biden wins. The electoral college even if he gets those uh mm-hmm. those seven percent more uh, votes yeah so you know we have a couple of swing states as usual we have um i think the fiercest battles will be in michigan pennsylvania and wisconsin mm-hmm. uh, especially pennsylvania i think uh yeah because well all, the, all of those three states uh trump won in 2016 mm-hmm. by but by a very thin margin and right now yeah. the polls are suggesting that Biden might win there. 
And if he does, then um, he's pretty secure about his presidency. Yeah, I guess um, it's it's just interesting to see the predictions and how they're going to play out in terms of, yeah, it was like obvious that uh, when Clinton, they kind of failed like predictions with Clinton in terms of like everyone expected her to win. But it's also like, you know, it's at the same time, I feel like Democrats trying really hard because like all media is mainly democratic in terms of what, what we receive here in Europe. It's they mainly democratic media and they all kind of support them. So they kind of create this expectation that it's almost done, you know, so go to vote. It's almost like we already won kind of shit. Um, I feel this is definitely happening in Europe in terms of they want to like, like present the whole situation that's already done, like in no way Trump can win. So kind of the same thing that was happening in 2016. You know, <laughs> yeah. Bubble of information trying to convince people that uh, Trump cannot really win. That's why, I mean, I mean, every kind of political scientist would be cautious and would say, well, you know, until it's election, yeah. even not election night, actually, until every vote uh, is counted because it's like by mail and uh, we could not really know the answer. But at the same time, it is interesting, it's like, oh, like more than 50% of people have already voted. So predictions should be actually very relevant and should reflect like uh, voteral uh, behavior of people because they already voted kind of uh, yeah but you know um trump uh, has this uh, rhetoric that the mail-in ballots will be rigged and faked yeah and he encourages all of his supporters to go and vote on election day so mm. uh the votes that have already been cast are not really representative because biden wins there by a lot mm-hmm. uh, that's because trump's supporters believe that those votes will be rigged so yeah. they prefer to go on election day. So people are saying that Trump will catch up on, on election day. Um, which see, is yeah. funny. Fierce battle, right? Yeah. I mean, uh, and you know, it's... there are actually uh, some possibilities of some very like dirty plays. Because I think mm-hmm. we are all aware that Trump, if he has some means to use to win, he will use them. Mm-hmm. Um, there's... Th- Three states, I believe. Yes, three. Pennsylvania, North Carolina. No, four, sorry. Pennsylvania, mm-hmm. North Carolina, Wisconsin, and Michigan. Um, where the governor of the state is a Democrat, but the legislatures of the states are controlled by the Republicans. Mm-hmm. So what can happen? Imagine a situation where you have, a, you know, let's say 60% of the votes counted mm-hmm. in, the, in one of those states. And suddenly the Republicans in the uh, legislature say, okay, yeah, uh, we assume that Trump has won and we sent our delegates to vote for Trump mm-hmm. because they can do that. But at the same time, the governor can do this as well. So the governor can also say, no, we're mm-hmm. sending our delegates to vote for Biden. And when you have um, such a dispute in terms mm-hmm. of electoral college, it is settled by a joint uh, session of the Congress. Um, which is funny because the person who will preside over this joint session mm-hmm. will be none other than Vice President Mike Pence. Okay. So, so this is a very weird thing in the American system that, um, yeah, you know, so the Vice President will be deciding basically who, uh, who wins because, you know, the Constitution doesn't really state what is the role of the Vice President in this session. So it's very vague. Uh, and not, yeah. It hasn't happened before in the history of the U.S., so nobody knows what will happen. It's really, I think we are, mm-hmm. we have a very weird situation ahead of us, and we cannot know what will happen. I think we'll have some, you know, shenanigans like this 
happen. Okay. But how do you feel that for most Americans, such as for America uh, as a country, they feel it's like it's one of the most important elections, right? It's it's definitely something that will change profoundly, I guess. Not, not just change America, but definitely something like a watershed event in American history, you know, kind of. Everyone should kind of feel this because even in Europe, it feels like such a big event in American politics. Yes, definitely. And both sides are believed that this is one of the most important elections in U.S. history. And mm -hmm. I think this only um, this is only an example of how polarized the American public is, because yeah. both sides think that if the other guys win, uh, then it's over. I don't accept this kind of. Uh, I, I guess that's the, what they feel. It's like I. I'm not willing to accept uh, another president or something like that. Yeah, um, exactly. Which can, you know, trigger some kind of conflicts, and we already saw conflicts uh, in, in the, in the uh, summer, uh, civil unrest uh, and stuff like that, uh, which will probably happen uh, no matter who wins and no matter what happens, uh, mm -hmm. because they warn people that. Uh, the risk is high. But how is actually, uh, I guess, our association with COVID in the US? Uh, because in Europe, uh, it looks like we have uh, like the second lockdown period, for at least for months, yes. because they want to well, they wanna save uh, Christmas markets and Christmas um, business, so to speak, like kind of, and that's why they kind of like push people now to sit at home. But I'm not, I'm not really sure whether they will open any Christmas markets, because it feels like uh, it will be for a while again, uh, but how situation in, in the U.S. Because I, I think U.S. is still leading in terms of cases, right? Yes, it is. Uh, currently, I think there's like uh, the total number of cases in the U.S. is like mm -hmm. nine million, I think, something like this, mm -hmm. and like two hundred thousand people dead, uh, cool. which Biden Biden stresses a lot in his rhetoric. Like you know, look what Trump mm -hmm. has done. It's because of him we have two hundred thousand Americans dead. Um, but so yeah, the uh, situation is getting worse, definitely. Mm -hmm. uh, but I don't think that anybody cares as much as in uh, Europe. Yeah. I mean, people are so preoccupied with elections <laughs> uh, that nobody cares. I mean, in Chicago last week, they just introduced uh, a closure for bars. So bars have okay. to be closed. And after like, uh, I think 8 p.m., you can only use, like, you can only get to take out food from restaurants and stuff. But you know they, they they didn't introduce a complete lockdown, and uh, which is, I don't think they will. Which is also interesting conversation in terms of I guess people definitely feel pressure from this pandemic and they feel psychological pressure, but also economical pressure. And I'm sure, like even in Europe, lots of people don't want to close their bars and don't want to close uh, anything because they're going to lose money. Um, and you know, it's kind of they're losing their business again, and they opened probably like three months ago, and now what they need to close it. So I guess you know they, some some people probably like reject this uh, lockdown. I guess there, there was a big uh, demonstration yesterday in Berlin, uh, uh -huh. anti anti lockdown demonstration. So people still kind of frustrated, and it's an interesting debate because kind of Trump tries to say well yeah, this guy he wants to close the country he wants like you to he he wants uh, you to lose your business you know and stuff like that yeah uh, so it's which is like I guess it's hard but you know uh, but it all comes down to what's the cost of human life so to speak because they definitely gonna be in uh, like the virus gonna spread anyway um, the question is what's the price you know 
how much you're willing to pay for what kind of saved lives or something. So it's it's also very philosophical, and I guess to this philosophical point, uh, where the both kind of like positions can be you know evaluated uh, uh, in terms of they all have sense. People don't want to lose their jobs. It's also like killing them uh, in another way. Exactly, and I cannot imagine you know any economy being able to sustain such closures for like you know a year is basically yeah. you know yeah. ah, scary yeah and also you know people had to, like they open now they're gonna close and uh, of course like for example maybe germany is uh, not a big issue because they have uh, they still have you know they still give lots of money to people uh, it's kind of very social economy but i don't know in terms of france and it's a little bit different they're not so rich in other countries as well i guess russia doesn't want to close so they still kind of try kind of the same you, you see kind of similarities sometimes between russia and america because people like kind of like you know like i don't want to do this because why i should lose my business uh they kind of value human life a little bit less uh to a certain extent um, yeah true <laughs> and yeah and people just like kind of furious and they say yeah let's just uh, i don't know we don't care ah yeah interesting but yeah, elections uh, coming very, very close. Um, let's maybe then discuss uh, if you have nothing to add in terms of uh, domestic politics. Uh, I guess maybe yep. let's just touch upon like a little bit foreign policy because it's still some you know statements by um, Biden by uh, I don't know about Trump. Uh, just in terms of uh, I guess Biden was very uh, like last week he was kind of active in terms of foreign policy. Uh, statements or arguments or whatever uh, and he basically said yes he uh, blamed like uh, uh, Trump for his uh, Russian foreign policy and yeah kind of he said he would be tough on Russia and uh, yeah he basically what he said uh, it's like kind of quote that to China like China is our main competitor but Russia is our main enemy uh, which I find a little bit problematic to think about in this way. I mean, of course, he tries to sell this uh, kind of boogeyman and tries to uh, convince these people who believe, like, really that uh, Trump is, is a friend of Putin or something. Yeah, exactly. He, tried, you know. he tries to convince them and say, well, yeah, Russia is an enemy, but in fact, it doesn't really make sense uh, for like, kind of a couple of reasons. I guess first reason just because Russia closely... Um, closely works with China, and you definitely see. I guess even Putin said it's like uh, there will there will probably be a possibility of alliance, like a military alliance between China and Russia in the future, if there is like uh, there is um, some uh, there is a sense in doing this, so to speak. Um, and also just because it's just hard to hear. I, I think for America, China is is more is a bigger danger, so to speak. It's not. I mean, of course, they compete with each other for like you know this status of great power, probably for uh, just world dominance. But at the same time, they compete in a way that they're enemies and they have different outlooks on the world. Yeah, and, definitely. Especially but, in a yeah, yeah. Yeah, as you said, basically mm -hmm. Biden wants to. I, I think that he wouldn't really be uh, this friendly with China and this uh, belligerent with Russia. I think he just wants to create this narrative that you know Russia will interfere with the presidential election in two thousand sixteen, and that's why we have Trump in power and he is an ally of Putin. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Even though yes, Trump, 
Trump's policy was far. I mean, of course, like Russia endorsed uh, like that Trump won because probably they thought like Hillary Clinton would be the disastrous uh, candidate for them. But at the same time, Trump's policy towards like Russia was uh, not horrible, but it was like very belligerent and. He basically announced that you know China and Russia are enemies in their military doctrines and uh, in their uh, like main um, foreign policy documents. Um, but you know, at the same time, Trump didn't have any problem with saying that he believes Putin more than his own intelligence services. Yeah, which is, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> it's just Trump. Probably he he meant something very, I mean, differently, or just like it's hard to it's hard to understand sometimes what he wants to say because yeah true the way he's saying things it's like you shouldn't like take them at face value he sometimes just says things uh, he doesn't really think about like the consequences of his what he's saying he's just like yeah, yeah he, fir- yeah. he first talks and then he thinks yeah then he just says <laughs> no no i meant a different thing which is like yeah we should totally discuss you know he's not a professional politician he he hasn't like he he's not prepared for any kind of statement or something like that. And he likes like this uh, improvisation in front of camera because I guess what people also find is attractive in him. Kind of like it looks like he's a little bit more alive and a little bit more I don't know real president something like this. But yeah, um, and I guess what also uh, I would like to bring to the conversation just um, so the the, the talks uh, about like this. Um, mm, uh, arms, arms, arms control talks they failed they didn't uh-huh. come to any agreement uh, and I guess Russia now just uh, uh, is waiting for results of American elections because uh, it's it's a strange thing but Biden wants to uh, wants to prolong the treaty um, with Russia uh, and at the same time he kind of tries to like now create this narrative that Russia is an enemy which is I find a little bit contradicting but um, yeah, I guess uh, it's 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 hard. I guess in terms of how America views Russia, there is no other way uh, like America can view Russia positively right now. Anyway, no, no way. Yeah. I mean, it would have been possible more if the uh, relations between Europe and the U.S. got a bit colder, you know, mm-hmm. and both continents drew further apart. Uh, mm-hmm. then the U.S. wouldn't be obliged so much, you know, to, like, mm-hmm. defend Europe against Russia. So maybe there could be some yeah. reapproachment. But, um, yeah. which is also interesting about the different policies of both candidates towards Europe, I guess. Um, yeah, it's it's interesting, yeah. And also, so Putin announced, I guess, on Monday, he, propo- he proposed actually pretty relevant thing, I guess, for everyone, basically to go to, to like, start a conversation about this post-INF uh, world where they can deploy this uh, medium-range uh, uh, um, bis- ballistic missiles in Europe. And what he yep. proposed is just basically to ban them in Europe and also like to ban all the systems that they don't consider, for example, the violet agreement, but they say, well, uh, it's like a Iskander uh, systems that, uh, like a missiles and Iskander system, that they say, well, let's just uh, prohibit them for this period of time, let's go to talks and let's just decide uh, this is a good idea not uh, deploying those systems in Europe. And um, actually what's interesting, uh, America rejected it, but not only America, actually, Germany also rejected this idea. It said something like, you know, it's a, it's a trick, uh, in, it's a Russian trick, because uh, uh, we wouldn't have any verification um, mechanisms, which is like kind of wrong, because in his statement he said he, he, they're ready to discuss verification um, mechanisms, which is, of course, the most important 
thing of, of any kind of arms control deal. Um, I don't know. It, it feels, yeah, it feels, it feels, it doesn't really change now situation because you know, still everyone is waiting for results. Um, yeah. But you can definitely see how it can get wrong in terms of you know uh, if they get like I don't know for example Trump and Trump want to uh, want to conclude any kind of agreement with Russia but probably even if Biden becomes president and then something happens some I don't know some foreign policy blow up in his uh, in his surrounding they're gonna say well we should be very tough on Russia uh, and then probably everything gonna go into chaos again and they won't have. Then they won't start. They will start deploying this new kind of missiles uh, into you in Europe, and yeah, yeah. Who knows it can trigger a conflict because this is actually I mean, interesting. How people, many people say that you know the foreign policy of Trump that he started, like even if he loses, he already like you know put it in motion, and it will be hard to you know to pull it back. So mm -hmm. the directions in which Trump has set the U.S. maybe also the direction that you know Biden follows. Yes, that's true. I mean, Biden definitely tries to be very pro-European, and all European leaders they want Biden to win. And this is this is hundred percent. Yes, definitely. Same time, there is like yeah, this uh, just not contradiction, but there is like this vector in American policy, I guess, and it becomes more concentrated on its own issues and its own problems, or maybe it becomes way more uh, like it's 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 more relevant for us to think about China, for example. And deploy troops there than just to think about Russia only. Um, so yeah, it's hard to say, but you definitely see that America is losing its power in terms of you can feel the dynamic is kind of it cannot really provide the same guarantees anymore, and uh, it's kind of shaky, you know, shaky, yeah, uh, shaky platform. Um, so it's interesting, but it's it's also it's also interesting that Germany um, kind of. Uh, like just became recently very anti-Russian because of Navalny and uh, uh, it's actually a very interesting shift because Putin also said that uh, Germany uh, pursues these great power stages which is kind of wrong to say because they don't really uh, I mean they are in terms of like European politics but not in terms of global I guess um, but did they really become enemies you know Nord Stream 2 is still being built yeah but I guess it can it can collapse anytime and it's like so it's so just uh, I mean Germany, I, I don't know just that there was like this anti-Russian like touring in Germany leads recently mainly because of the Navalny uh, which is like yeah uh, I mean when it comes to like this uh, story with Navalny I just like don't know what to say because you know it's just something uh, definitely horrible in terms of he definitely they tried to poison him but you know uh, it all got, comes down to questions who what and uh, and why yeah and it's also like russian i guess russia is very good in decepting people in terms of russian elites have, and like know how media works actually and they like very they, they're very good in like just this deception mechanisms you know kind of uh -huh. and just like fooling people just like doing style that you don't really i mean maybe you expect from them but they're doing it in this kind of strange way that they kind of try to fool everyone and they kind of like create like wrong assumptions wrong arguments and then you kind of like lost in this like some media chaos where you just don't know who to believe because like i mean you're definitely not on the side you definitely don't see results of his probes and something like this it's like it's hard you know it's just like it is that's true Kind of like, I guess it's like what's uh, it's one of the main drivers of this like Russian like foreign policy right now is like to be very deceptive and very 
kind of like try to be to deceive people through various various means uh, yeah also, create chaos yeah that's what uh, they really want to do i guess especially in europe and america i mean america is good in creating its own chaos i guess <laughs> oh definitely i mean europe sometimes as well not, sometimes it's, not intentionally it's also <laughs> you know when you look at european politics it's also it's a chaos uh, but what i like about europe at least they have like this vision and they know what they're doing i guess about america america has kind of lost its own vision in the world and, um, yes it needs to be reimagined yeah which is I guess, which is always difficult but you definitely see they're losing this sense of like what they're doing in the world for like they're spending so much money on foreign policy what's the reason for doing this yeah so i guess uh, it was a nice conversation man I guess we as always yes uh, so subscribe to us you know share our episodes uh, with your friends give um, us some feedback give us some feedback rate our episodes and yeah enjoy the <laughs> Yeah, take care.